0: Hello and welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with TheIndicars.com. My name is Abhishek and uh, to talk about this issue's cover story is uh, Odit Misra, the special correspondent who is joining me from Mumbai. Hi, Odit. Hi, hi, Abhishek. The last time we spoke, it was I think a couple of weeks before the World Cup began and you had written that story on the Rajasthan Cricket Association and how the Indian team could learn from uh, a cricket academy in Rajasthan. And now you you are back again to write about uh, a very predictable cover story, if uh, if I may say so, because it's about politics. But the unpredictable part is that it's in Forbes, India. So before we get on to that, uh, my point blank question is that while everybody is talking about Anna Hazare and Mr. Kejriwal and whatever has happened and transpired in the past two weeks, uh, you chose to have Rahul Gandhi as the center point of the conversation of your cover story and you wrote it in first person so what's your cover story about and why did you choose Mr. Rahul Gandhi as the point of conversation
1: it's true that uh, right now it's the Anna Hazare protest that is sort of fogging the limelight but even within the uh, protests you you would see that ultimately the decision-making lies with the political class and frankly the whole problem starts with the the sort of apathy in the political class, the large number of uh, people who come out in the streets have largely done that because um, th- there is a distinct sense that, you know, there is a lack of leadership and that the existing uh, political class is not listening to the radiances of the people. And our way of looking at it was to figure out what is the government doing or what the government could do
0: and perhaps not doing at the same time. So what the government is, is doing and not doing at the same time.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, what, what it is doing and what, what it, is, it is sort of not doing or how it's not responding, how it perhaps could have responded better. And in the overall scenario, if you see, it's becoming clear that somehow the existing government has uh, sort of misread the signs, And that's why it has created such a furor that has led a lot of people to actually come out of their home and protest. The government initially did not, perhaps, realize that it was this. This was such a genuine concern of the people. This sort of uh, hints at a a very simple thing that you know, perhaps the people who are taking the day-to-day decisions in the government have sort of missed the pulse of the nation, and there is a leadership issue. Now we see uh, also from the Congress scenario, uh, you know, it is going through a tough patch where uh, Sonia Gandhi has not been well. That that is one huge factor in how they have sort of responded to the whole Anna Hazare protest. And also that increasingly, because of so many of the key ministers, you know, being tainted by corruption, there is a deficit in the leadership itself. There is a sort of moral high ground that they lost as a result of many of these ministers being tainted. So the overall scenario within the government, within the UPA, within the Congress itself, is that of a leadership vacuum that is coming through our uh, focus was to you know look at where could the solution come from instead of just harping on you know what the problem is you know that is where we focus and that's how Rahul Gandhi is there on the cover
0: right Uh, Udit in the last uh, about three or four minutes that we've spoken you've used the word leadership four times already and it's ironic that Dr. Manmohan Singh doesn't feature very often in the article as much as Mm. Rahul Gandhi does In spite of not having a background as illustrious as that of uh, Dr. Singh's why is Rahul Gandhi spoken uh, so much about in the cover story and you speak about him in different emotions Uh, when you start out there is some amount of you know if not scorn but a lot of skepticism and anger towards the fact that he comes from a political family and that he is awarded a default seat and perhaps the next prime minister in one of these elections could be him. So you start off the article with some amount of skepticism towards Rahul Gandhi. So what is your stand towards him?
1: Right. Part of the sense that you had that, uh, you know, how the the tone and tenor regarding Rahul Gandhi changed through the article is also because of the way it was written. It was written in a first-person account. And the idea was to actually take the reader along with the reporter and how he thought as he reported on the issue.
0: You followed Mr. Rahul Gandhi for a while as a journalist as well. So can you take us through certain experiences of your own while tracking him through different campaigns or what are, what are the things that you could draw from him?
1: When I sort of started working on the story, my starting position was was that I was not very convinced of what he's trying to achieve uh, in Indian politics. To a very casual eye, Rahul Gandhi you know, comes across as a bundle of contradictions because if you take the most recent example of land acquisition problems in uh, UP, mm-hmm. he would come out and say that you know there are issues with land acquisition, that it has not been done properly. However, there is no clear statement of how actually can it be solved. Now, this is a vexed problem and people have tried out giving different kinds of solutions, but nothing seems to have worked till now. So I'm not sort of holding it against any particular leader to say you know that you don't have the solutions. But as it turns out, it appears that he's sort of telling people that there's something wrong without really having a solution, uh, ready solution for it. In, in this last two, three months, he's been sort of fashioned as the farmer leader in, in UP. Somebody who's close to the farmer, who understands the issues of the, the UP farmer in particular. Right. And, you know, when I started reporting, which is around the time when the whole Banta Barsal issue was sort of um, hotting up, you know, I was wondering when, when I was looking at what he is trying to achieve as a projecting himself as the farmer leader, is why won't he sort of take the agriculture portfolio and sort of head that ministry and bring about a change there? It would be frustrating to see a, a young leader talking about a lot of things that are wrong, but not really taking up a portfolio and setting it right. Uh, agriculture is one thing that has been in the news for a while now. Uh, In the recent past, there are a lot of structural issues there, Uh, a lot of food price inflation is attributed to those structural issues. So there's lots that can be done in agriculture ministry and, you know, the existing ministers have been sort of criticized for not doing enough. So instead of seeing something concrete done, we just saw elaboration of what is wrong in the existing setup. Right. from the starting position, it appears as if, you know, you're not very sure exactly what is he trying to achieve. But that's the purpose of the first person account there. And perhaps if we had written a simple teacher story, we would have given you a considered opinion of what we thought. But in the first person account, we've taken you through as I went along reporting on the story. Perhaps, you know, we hope that you'd be able to relate with the, the story and the characters there more closely.
0: So what made you change your mind? Because then you go on to mellow down.
1: It changed to the extent that the final word on Rahul Gandhi is still to be spoken about. He's still nowhere near that kind of situation. What I'm coming from is that, you know, he's been living with this whole title of the future Prime Minister of India. But, you know, as I realize when I talk to people around him and try to understand what he's been trying to achieve, which is essentially Bring about certain amount of organizational change within the Congress, especially through youth Congress, and bring a new breed of young leaders, educated, dedicated leaders. I realize that he himself does not look at himself as the you know all along he, he was not looking at himself as the future prime minister of India.
0: It's uh, unbelievable, right? It's hard to believe when you are the heir to the throne without it being a dictatorial kind of an environment. But we know that he is the next person in line.
1: Yes, see, this is the point. If he had really worked, if you look back now, it's been eight years that he has been the uh, Member of Parliament. He could have taken that position at some earlier point also. I don't think that was a huge issue, whether or not he could take over that position in terms of whether the people in the party wanted it or not. Most people wanted it. But he had his own plan about the whole new kind of politics that he says he wants to usher into India, you know, and he's been working, you know, in a very systematic manner towards that.
0: Is that systematic uh, manner very stealthy? Is it a secret because nobody seems to know about it? What's what's happening behind in there?
1: That's exactly the point that, you know, not many people know exactly what he's trying to do and how not many people are mapping it. Not many people have seen exactly what it is. And that's the reason why to some extent from my starting position of disappointment or, you know, you know, wondering what is he trying to achieve, mm-hmm. there was a certain amount of understanding of, okay, what is he trying to achieve? And that change also is expected only over a period of next 10 years or something. So, I mean, it's not some quick change that we are looking at in terms of organizational change within the Congress. So, at least I understood that, okay, this whole, the, the prison through which he sort of judge Rahul Gandhi, which mm-hmm. is always that He's the future Prime Minister of India. At least for the last eight years, we've been sort of looking at from that angle. And He's been sort of on the edge that why doesn't he so actually take a, you know, ministry or, or take a high position in government and actually prove his mettle and stuff. Right. But the point is that in the past, he has not been interested in that. He's been trying to do something else. So he's been working in a very systematic manner about how to unearth new leaders, young leaders, educated, and dedicated to what's happening at the ground level. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, the Congress format of, uh, you know, bringing up leaders was by picking and choosing the leaders from the ground level. Uh, there was no internal democracy in, in Congress and something that Rahul Gandhi has been talking about a lot, that, you know, there's not enough internal democracy in the in the Congress. And he's made the Youth Congress and the, uh, the Student Swing as the main vehicle. Uh, he has brought in the James Lindo, who's the former chief election commissioner his foundation called the foundation for advanced management of elections Mm -hmm. so he approached fame to set up and regulate elections in youth congress and they've tried to reform the way young leaders are sort of recruited into youth congress and how they sort of gravitate to the higher excellence of of the party so he's been trying to bring about that change and there's a larger process at work where they sort of monitor all these people who join youth congress And how they perform, what are they trying to achieve, and how they perform. It's a very elaborate system, which I've detailed in the magazine also. It's called the Seven Pillars of Wisdom, which sort of encapsulates what his larger vision for the party is. You know, how they should go about reforming themselves. So it's a fairly elaborate thing that he's been trying to put in place. Frankly, it will take a little while before it actually comes to. Estimates are almost 10 years hence. Uh, is is the sort of time frame where we are looking at uh, the kind of leaders that he wants to sort of take over. So that is what he has been trying to do all along. However, things have been changing, and that's where that's where we are today. The last two three months have been uh, there's been enormous change in Indian politics, both in general in general for politicians and and in particular for Congress. And that's where we are today. And that's why we actually sort of looked at Rahul Gandhi as a as a possible. Option but coming back into that whole uh, paradigm of prime minister, whether he should take over as a prime minister or not,
0: is is one of the reasons why he, in your words, taking it a little slow uh, because of the experience of his father, who perhaps was given the post a little too early, is what uh, Forbes India is arguing. If I'm correct, me if I'm wrong. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, the sense that I got when I was talking to people close to him was that Rahul Gandhi, as well as Sonia Gandhi and Priyanka Gandhi, are acutely aware of. What happened in uh, Rajiv Gandhi's case, which was that he was sort of propped up into this position of of the Prime Minister way too quickly. There was no, I mean, the natural progression of learning the things Mm -hmm. and making up your mind didn't happen for long enough. And uh, the sense was that um, Rajiv Gandhi sort of got caught up with a lot of things which he personally may not have actually ever wanted to be part of. It just happened too fast, too quick because he was part of the government.
0: Mm -hmm. And that
1: is something that they have very uh, consciously tried to ensure that, you know, Rahul gets the time to figure out what he wants to do. And actually, in 2008-2009, when he kicked off this whole process of reform in the whole party, that was a statement of what he wanted to do, which was to look at the organization instead of take up an office within the government. Because the sense was that if you become a part of the government, you know, you can't be then reforming the organization because you won't have enough time left. You'd be sort of firefighting on a daily basis in the office. So that is exactly a reflection of what he's been trying to do and frame of his own mind. Now, the sense I get is that he's somebody who sort of focuses on on one thing at a time and looks at bringing about a realistic long-term change. That is what he's been trying to do.
0: Right. And in a way, does it help at the moment that with the opposition not being too strong, in in this case, the BJP, it just gives him that much more time to experiment or just to come into his own. Yeah. It is said that in a democracy, if you don't have a strong enough opposition, the democracy is not as successful as it should have been. Yeah. Would I be right if I say that what is good for Congress at the moment, with BJP being very weak, is not necessarily good for the country?
1: BJP's performance has been patchy because if you see, you know, as an effective opposition, they have turned up the heat on the government. We saw in the winter session uh, last year, it was a historic session where the uh, where the opposition was accused of actually uh, stalling the whole winter session. Then they were asking for a JPC on the 2G scam. Now, ultimately, the government did agree. So they have got certain successes and they have pushed the government definitely as an effective opposition. Yet their performance has been patchy because they have their own issues, say the corruption issues of the BJP chief minister in Karnataka, which they could not resolve for a very long time. It was just before the. Current monsoon session that they actually finally gave uh, the Karnataka chief, chief minister the marching orders. But till that time, their position was unterrible. That you can't be asking the you know the central government tough questions on corruption and yet not be taking any action in house. So it definitely is the case that BJP's performance has been patchy, and there also it's a story of lack of leadership. That is the funny aspect that what we are seeing in the ruling party today some kind of a leadership problem is also perhaps largely true also about the opposition because there are all kinds of reports that we keep reading about BGP and how there's a certain amount of infighting among the senior leadership. If that is true, then would obviously be affecting their concerted efforts at playing a very effective uh, opposition. And that's why you see... That when the whole Anna Hazari protest happened, they didn't start as an anti-Congress protest. Uh, it was against the whole political class. People didn't come out in the street saying that down with Congress per se. They were just angry at the fact that the political class uh, did not pay attention to their problems and grievances.
0: And, and what do you make of the protest? See,
1: it's a reflection of the times where over a very long period of time and in particular in the last few months, people have got a sense that government, either in the center or even in the states, the situation is equally bad in many of the states also, the sense is that government is not only corrupt, but it is also arrogant and you know, not concerned with these kind of radiances. They don't even want to appear as if they care about those issues. So, it's basically sort of a angst against the political class that is coming through. That's how I see it. As far as the exact modalities of a particular bill as bill is concerned, the larger point here is that this kind of a movement has at least ensured that whatever we were initially Mm -hmm. getting in the initial drafts of Lokpal, that gets substantially beefed up and we get a much stronger Lokpal. But come to think of it, ultimately, in theory, the existing system was supposed to work. You know, you and I believe that the existing system will give a welfare state. But today is the case where we want a whole new set of, you know, officials and Lokpal and Lokayups to look at the whole setup and say that, you know, what is not right and point mistakes mm-hmm. and investigate. So, in theory, we expect this system to work. But corruption, as far as I see, is a moral problem, right? So, no matter how many structures you create, it is also at an individual level, that you need to be, you know, you need to take a stand, you need to live your life in a particular manner. And, and the leaders also have to show that by example. Uh, I was talking to uh, the interview that I did with Anna Hazare, he, he mentioned that, uh, he said that the kind of leaders we have also determines the way people respond to crisis and situation and their daily life needs. So if we see that we have a, we have the right kind of leaders, people also have the, they take their stand in daily life. So that also sort of plays in. I would strongly recommend readers to actually go back and look at that classic Rajkathur movie called Jaak Te Raho, where a farmer's son inadvertently goes into a building, a residential complex, and is mistaken to be a, a thief. And then as he goes around the whole night trying to avoid being arrested by the police or any any of these residents, He finds how in each of these individual homes, there are people who act like thieves or who are corrupt. The idea is the larger point Raj Kapoor was trying to show is that at an individual level also there are issues of corruption. While we might do the moral grandstanding later on when we come out of our homes, there are issues within the household. So while the Anna Hazaret protests and everything will happen and it will eventually and hopefully finish soon enough, the larger issue of you know corruption and morality, that I guess all of us will have to deal on a daily basis and the answers to that really lie with us.
0: If I detach myself and speak from the perspective of the common man and uh, a reader, then it's, it's a very good time to be a journalist, isn't it, for you to be covering stories like these when, when India is not only growing but also there is enough dope to write about. But now, how do you think the media should react when such news comes out. What was the objective with which you started writing this cover story with so much that is already being written about and everybody, in fact, the Indian Express has a page on an Anna update every day. It has a dedicated page. Yeah. The reason here is not to pinpoint anybody doing right or wrong, but what was the objective of Forbes India, which is conventionally a business magazine, to put this topic on the on the cover page?
1: From the Forbes India perspective, well, We are a magazine which focuses on leadership in a very significant manner. We look at leadership as a very important issue. You know, businesses are affected by any such protest. So both from the policy perspective, and that is the sphere in which I sort of report more, and from the business perspective, from both perspectives, whatever has been happening in the last six months is a very significant thing and we need to track it and figure out where, where do the solutions lie. Where could the solutions come from?
0: and and probably someday when the solutions do appear and in the generation that we live in we might read it again on Forbes India I hope hopefully,
1: hopefully. thanks a lot for
0: your time on that note it's time to wrap up
1: thank you thanks a lot
0: and, and for all you listeners out there you can get this podcast on Forbes India's website that is business.in.com as well as theindicast.com and more importantly you can download this for free on iTunes just search us at Forbes India on iTunes and you can subscribe to us <laughs> And you can subscribe to the magazine by messaging Forbes to five one eight one eight. That's five one eight one eight. Thanks again with this you
1: Thanks a lot.